Thank you so much for joining us for this latest episode of The Alternate. I'm your host, Nate Schaus, and tonight is my pleasure to introduce our guest, Chris Emerson. Uh, Chris is a, uh, a preacher from the Lindale Church of Christ in Texas. And uh, Chris, you and I were, uh, were fairly new to each other. Um, I had the distinct pleasure of getting to hear you um, do our VBS. I believe it was uh, last year. or No, actually, it was two years ago now that I think about it. Yeah, I think um, that's right. <laughs> yeah, I think it is. I don't remember for sure, but it sounds right. 2018, you think? Yeah. That's, I think that's right. Yeah, yeah. I think that's, yeah. Um, man, I mean, you just, you came in like a, like a tornado, man, off across the plane. It was crazy. <laughs> uh, loved it. Loved it. I mean, just every lesson was just so, so wonderful. And I know I, I was talking to you earlier this week when we were prepping for this, this podcast that, you know, I think you may be um, the preacher that I align with the most as far as how I think, like the way that you preach and the way that you approach topics, it just seems to make such natural sense in my mind. Like I follow you exactly with where you're going. I just, I love that. It's, it's such a, a breath of fresh air. Well, I do think we jive you and me. I know we hit it off really well when I had the chance to be there. And then we've texted a lot and communicated a lot, bantered a lot. And it was really cool last year. I got to fly back in for about a day and come and see you and your family. That was super cool. But I, I agree with that. that I feel was. like whenever I bounce stuff off of you, it's uh, it's going to be something that resonates with with where I am on stuff. Yeah, absolutely. So I'm really excited to uh, to have you as my guest tonight, and I know that uh, everyone who's listening will really enjoy um, hearing your thoughts and insights um, as we approach uh, our topic uh, tonight. So thanks for for being a part of our podcast. Sure thing, Nate. Glad glad to do it. Really am. <laughs> Well, we're, um, I'm rapidly approaching the end of our uh, exploration on fear. Um, we've had quite a few episodes now that have dealt with different aspects of fear, of what fear does to the Christian, what role should it have, if any, in a Christian's walk, uh, what we can do to identify it and try to not let it overpower us or become a constant struggle for us. But the difficulty with that, of course, is it's not a one-trick pony. It's not um, just one way that it manifests itself. It, um, you know, through the authorship of Satan, finds ways of meandering into our lives and and appearing in different ways. And we've talked about how sometimes fear will um, morph into anger. And um, talking about fear and death, our own mortality, and trying to come to terms with that. And um, Chris, when I had approached you about this topic, you had mentioned um, discussing the idea of perfect love casting out fear. And I think that is perfectly in line with what I wanted to talk tonight about. And, and that's the idea of fear of the unknown, um, uncertainty for the future. And um, I'm, I'm really trying not to beat a dead horse, but just with this um, onslaught of the COVID virus, I, I don't think that anyone with any kind of authority could have predicted that something like this was going to happen to such a magnitude, not only for our country, but for the world. And things like this that just basically shut everything down. I mean, there's no way of really being able to say, 
hey, this is going to happen and this is going to happen in my lifetime and it's going to happen really soon and it's going to completely change my life for weeks, if not months on end. Um, so, you know, as a Christian, how do we deal with these types of uncertainties? And it doesn't necessarily have to be this grand of a scale, but things that, you know, we just don't expect, um, you know, what, what's a, what's a good approach to living with that? Yeah, certainly an important topic. A lot of people are thinking about it. I would say that the Christian needs to work from the end backwards to your present circumstance. I think we have a bit of a flaw in approach sometimes that says, okay, I need to find a way to be at peace with what's happening right now with my job, what's happening with the health around me, what's happening in our country, and then work my way out to the future and ultimately just sort of start the dominoes at the beginning. And that's just a huge mistake because, as you just said, we don't have any predictability about what's going to happen this year. And certainly the people behind it are just people. But I would say you should start as far away in the future as possible, eliminate fear there, then work yourself back. So in 1 John, which is where we'll be some tonight, because that's where it says that perfect love casts out fear, I would ask this question. Anybody listening right now, I would ask you this first question. Are you going to heaven? Give me a percentage. What percent sure are you that no matter what happens, how long this takes, in the end, what percentage positive are you you're going to heaven? If we've got Christians out there who are like, ah, 50-50 or 75% or 90%, that's not good enough. Where there is less than 100% certainty of eternal life, the rest of those percentages fill with fear, trepidation, doubt, all these things that destroy us. 1 John 5, verse 13 says, I have written to you who believe in the name of the Son of God so that you may know that you have eternal life. You know it. You don't think it or hope it. You know you're going to heaven. And so working your way, I mean, there's a lot we could talk about here, but once you know you're going to heaven because you're in a relationship with Jesus and you're doing what you should and he's covering you, then you can like work your way back a step and go, okay, what about when I die? That's before eternal life. Am I worried about that? Am I in fear of what the next moment will be after my death? And then you've got to become as close as possible to 100% okay with that. And then you work your way back. And before you know it, an hour later, you've worked your way back to, am I going to lose my job next week? And you don't have an ounce of fear in you. It's gone. But you eliminate it. I hope, Nate, I'm making sense. You eliminate it yeah. from the end back up to what is your beginning i got you and it's um i know for some people i feel like the the difficulty there you know when it when it comes to putting the faith into practice is you know as you alluded to um tonight and i'll try not to do that too much but um for those of you who haven't had an opportunity chris has been um leading a um a bible study is it wednesday nights as well as sundays or is it just wednesday nights that you guys are doing the um the exploration of the the characters of faith. That's on Wednesday nights. Yeah, Reagan McClenney and I okay. are doing a study on characters of faith. Gotcha. I don't want to put the cart before the horse. I'm I'm definitely going to give you an opportunity to <laughs> to tell us all about uh, where we can find your stuff and, and listen to it because it's all great. But you um you made a wonderful example of looking through a straw, and it's that pinprick of light that we see, 
looking into a room and God has lit the room. And I think sometimes that's how people look at their lives is that that percentage of my certainty that I'm going to be with God in heaven, that I have a spirit that is within me. I'm more spirit than I am flesh. Yeah. You know, I'm just, I'm, I'm inhabiting this, this suit that's not going to last forever. And that's okay. Cause that's the way I've been made and that I've got glory waiting for me. But we, we shrink that down to that, that pinprick, that, that straw that we're looking through. And we're trying to use that to guide us through a cave. Yeah. And I think that's how some people see it is, well, that's, that's well and good, but how's that going to get me through my present circumstance? Like you said, of, is it possible I'm going to lose my job or am I going to get sick or am I going to be disabled or, um, you know, whatever, whatever it might be that people aren't necessarily planning on that happening. Yeah. And then it happens. Well, yeah, but your whole point, I love the way you're approaching this about fear of the unknown and how you handle that. I mean, let's be really clear. If you mound up everything, you know, and can control versus everything you don't know and can't control, it's, it's 99.9% out of your control. And that's the purpose of the imagery of the straw. When you're looking through a straw, all you see is a dot. You can't see the wall, the room behind you, above you. You can't see tomorrow or into another room. You can only see this little dot. And that's all you've got. I mean, you get up tomorrow, you can see what God puts in front of you. And if you are frightened of the things that you cannot see, I would imagine you would have to be petrified every day of your life. And there are people who have real conditions and issues with that. An example that strikes me is I've got these kids, these couple of boys and couple of girls, and the boys are real scaredy cats, man. They're they're scared of everything. And if you had one of them outside, well, let's say it's dark, and I said, Luke, go take the trash can out to the street. I just don't know if he could do it. Like, he's so scared of who knows what. He doesn't even know. Tell me what you're scared of. I don't know. The dark. Well, what's in the dark? I don't know. He's terrified of what he doesn't know. And he's the he's the 16-year-old, by the way. The the eight-year-old would be right there. But, you know, if I was just standing at the door while he did it, he would be perfectly fine if dad was standing at the door. Now, nothing's changed. He still doesn't know what's out there. He can't describe it. But he knows that I'm standing there watching him and that if some weird three-headed creature from mythological, you know, history came jumping, I'd probably go attack it. And that's the way we kind of have to live this thing. That's the faith aspect of this. I don't know what will happen with your work. I don't know who will get sick. I don't know how long this is going to go. And it's very much like walking outside in the dark or looking through a straw. But I know my father loves me and I know he's with me. And I know that even if it meant death, he's there. And with my kids, it changes everything, everything. And I, I think it should with us too. That's man. That's awesome. And I, that's a perfect segue to, I think what I, what I wanted to try to explore again, you know, with this, as we're drilling deeper into this topic, um, cause I really do think that there are, I don't want to say a majority, but I, I want to say there's a decent number of people that, occupy pews across churches, you know, on Sundays that feel that way, that live their life in a certain amount of fear of, you know, who is it that I'm following? Who is my master? Um, and, you know, we see that exemplified in Philip in John 14, when Philip is like, well, just show us the father and that'll be enough for us. And Jesus is like, have you been with me so long? And you haven't you haven't recognized yeah. him. I mean, if you've seen me, you've seen the father. And I think that that's the idea is that rather than 
like you with your son, if you stood in the doorway, the lit doorway, and you're like, I'm here, he would be willing to go outside and to face whatever because he knew that you had his back, that you would protect him. And I feel like for some people, for some Christians, we feel like we don't know who's got our back. We don't know who our father is. And so when he's telling us to go outside and to take the trash can to the street, who's there? You know, am I more afraid of the the one who's giving the command than I am anything that might be lurking in the shadow? Yeah, exactly. And there are limits to that. And I think we'll get to talk about that some tonight. But there were certain things that I could ask them to do that they would still be too scared to do because they don't think I would be able to protect them. Uh, we were playing golf today, mm. my boys and I, and there's this little area where you can jump off this thing into a lake or something. And in the summertime, I've been asking them if they would do it with me. And they said, no. And I said, Hey, I'll be right there. Like I'll be in the water. If you want me to, I'll be up top. I just want you to do it. And their response is always dad. There's snakes. There's snakes in the water. They bite underneath the water. I saw that on the internet. You can't help me. You can't stop them. And so there are limitations to how much a father can soothe the, you know, the fears of a child. If the child doesn't think that the father's strong enough and Nate, and this is what I want to talk about. If you have fear that's paralyzing you, you want to say that it's because of your weakness. But what it really is, is a lack of trust in the power of God and this sense that there are things beyond his ability to manage and control. It's like my son looking at me saying, Dad, you're great and all, but you can't catch and wrestle snakes. Well, if you're terrified about your job or your health or your money or what's going on and you're just petrified about it and you can't pull yourself together, you think it's your weakness in you and it has nothing to do with God. It actually has everything to do with God because what it's saying is, I don't think you can handle this, God. I don't I don't think that you're going to be there to catch me. And of course, the point of working your way from the out in is, whether he catches you in this life or not, or whether you leave this life, he's got you. He's got you forever. And it really boils down to things that, Nate, in the church we skip over a lot, and that's belief in confession, like true belief, mm-hmm. real confession of Jesus. It changes you. Uh, and I, I just think that maybe we need to evaluate our relationship with God instead of blaming it on you know some virus. Uh, there's no virus big enough that God can't do what he wants to do. That's yeah, that's exactly right. And, and, and I don't know if it's, um, if it's us, you know, trying to give God the benefit of the doubt, but we really think that he talks a a big game, but he can't come through. And, you know, so when he says that he's going to get something done, he's got people that he can farm that out to, you know, so that, uh, that basketball goal that's going to get built overnight, he's got people that can do that, you know, and they'll, they'll work, and slave on it all through the night. And then he'll be there in the morning to take the credit kind of thing. And that's not, that's not how it is that God doesn't farm things out to people. When he says he's going to do something, he's going to, he's going to do it and he's going to be there. And I mean, how much more, you know, what, what does he have to do to prove himself to us? Right. right? (laughs) You know, in the text in first John four, where it says perfect love casts out fear It says just before that there's no fear in love. But as I was saying, it opens in verse 15 with this. Whoever confesses that Jesus is the son of God, God abides in him and he in God. We have come to know and have believed the love which God has for us. That's where it begins. Do you believe the love that God has for you? And is Jesus God or not? 
And I know the answer. I was raised in the church. The answer is, yeah, Jesus is God. And I confessed his name when I was baptized. That's not what this is talking about at all. This is talking about a daily, <laughs> constant, courageous living of ongoing proclamation that my king rules and God loves me, Romans 8, beyond anything, any adversary or any death or sorrow could ever separate. He loves me more than those things. And I think that we just need to get back to that. But, you know, that's not the way Christians think sometimes, Nate. Sometimes they're like, yeah, I know you're probably about to say I need to get into Bible study and prayer and get around more Christians. And, you know, once I get a few things worked out and I kind of pull myself together, I'm going to do that. That's reverse of what you should be doing. You need to connect to God in a different way because the way you're connecting to God is not working if you're worried. You know, Jesus said, Matthew 6, he said, don't do that. My people don't worry. They trust me. And I just think that it, it may mm -hmm. sound overly simplistic, but that's where you're going to figure this thing out is more understanding of God's power, uh, less dependency on your own. So if we dial that back, if we do try to take that a little bit more simply, um, does that mean that maybe – Oh man, and I don't want to. I don't want to shortchange it, but I mean, you know, maybe doing some some expectation, some prayer with God, and doing a smaller trust test with yeah. Him. You know, not necessarily trusting God with a complete life changeover while I sleep tonight, and then six or eight hours later, whenever I wake up tomorrow morning, Lord willing, I'm a changed man, and everything's going to be different. That I. I take these incremental yeah. steps and I'm, I'm purposeful in the goals that I'm setting and I watch and I see, and I see where the promises that God has made. If I do certain things that the result, you can trust the result. Just like if you, if you start planting and yeah. watering and weeding that you can trust that that plant is going to grow and it's going to bear fruit, that kind of trust, you start to see that happening yeah. in your life. And then that can grant you more thick skin to trust God with That's right. more. That's good. And it doesn't start with a lot of hard work. It starts with, well, simply put, you need to have God with you wherever you go. You should never be anywhere that you do not recognize the presence of God. I don't want to get all weird and mystical with you. But sometimes I see Jesus just sitting in the truck next to me. Yeah, he's got long hair. It's brown. I live with it. I see... I see God sitting on his throne when I'm at worship. I see God walking next to me when I'm outside by myself. I have to create a connect. Remember our story. When you're with dad and you know dad's got it under control, in the case of my kids, the fear goes away because he will take care of me in the way that he sees fit. But if you're not seeing God, if your father is not with you, if he's not near you, if you don't recognize that, and I get that a lot, Nate, I get a lot of, I know I'm a Christian, but I don't know, I just feel so distant from God. Well, you, you have no chance. Let's just be clear. If you're distanced from God, you have no chance because now it's you and your straw and your big fat muscles. You got nothing. You've got to get them. So how do you do that? Well, we do that in the simple ways, man. We do it through real prayer. I like, to, I, I journal, you know, I journal, I write prayers every day about God and his presence. And then I write affirmations after the prayers. Affirmations are, who am I and what can I do? I don't start with that. I start with, I'm grateful for who God is and what he has done. I've asked him big and beautiful questions that go beyond any limitations of my own. Now I'll tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to get out there and do this and this and this. And 
Uh, I just think that people need to work on their connection with God through, I mean, Bible study is great, but I think prayer is the fundamental step one. Uh, an awareness. You know, the Bible's very clear. The Lord is near. I don't think it means he, I don't think it meant he was coming back anytime soon because he wasn't. It means he's in proximity to you. And I need that. If I, to, to the extent that I forget that, fear fills the void. Just like to the extent that you don't think you're going to heaven, fear fills the percentage points that are left. It's the same, it's the same principle. So he's not, he's not uh, looking at us from a no. distance. <laughs> no, he's, uh, he's, well, I guess, yeah, he can do that too if he wants, but. Uh, I think that's the language. I know right, this would get right. us off track, but all the language about the Holy Spirit abiding you, in you and all that. And there's a lot of preacher debate over that stuff, kind of foolish debate. But all I know is that God in all three persons is is right here with me. And uh, that brings a lot of peace. Yeah. Well, and, you know, as you've said in, in many sermons and in many classes, it just it doesn't make sense. The amount of time that God has invested, the amount of energy, the amount of of the the men and women that he's put into motion to put into people's lives to to remind us and to show us and to teach us and to mold us it wouldn't make sense for him to yeah. be a hands-off kind yeah, of father exactly. yeah you know <laughs> yeah um well and and again getting back to um another point that you all made tonight which i thought was great you know at the beginning of of daniel when daniel basically set his heart in his mind that he was not going to defile himself. I think one of the ways that that worked out, I mean, granted, he, he approached it with the right attitude and the right emotion to do it humbly. But I think another aspect of that is that's what God wanted. And if we're doing what God wants us to do, then he will overcome any hurdle that we have in our, in our path, any shadow that's in our path. It may not be the way that, I would do it. You know, logically, I know how I would move right. a rock, you know, yeah. if it's in my way. <laughs> but God, you know, he He made that rock so he can he can undo that rock however he wants to. And so if we're doing what God wants us to do, even if like in the case of Daniel, even if I find myself in a foreign land being fed food that I'm not supposed to eat. And for all I can tell, this is this is it. This is my yeah. sustenance. And I'm either going to eat this or I'm going to starve. But what did God tell them? There are certain foods you can eat. There are certain foods you shouldn't eat. And when you eat what I tell you to eat and you abstain from the things I tell you not to, then I will bless you and I will be with you. Well, so, I mean, did that was that only for Daniel? I mean, is that not right. applicable yeah, for us for sure. today? And Daniel, as we mentioned in the class, is an example in the list of people you see in Hebrews 11 who – demonstrated their fearlessness and their faith once things got difficult. They had to go through something. Of course, Daniel is so extreme being, being taken to Babylon, but I kind of wonder sometimes, Nate, what everybody's attitude, what Christians' attitudes are about what's happening right now. If you are someone who's been uh, you know, compromised in, in health or your situation or whatever, did we expect to be considered fearless if we had nothing to fear? It's the concept that when Daniel was put into a situation that would have terrified most people, locked them up where they wouldn't speak or move or be able to do anything. He found the courage and he very kindly, you know, asserted himself. And I mean, this is our moment, man. This is it. You're looking for that moment in your lifetime where the world is scared and you're not where the world wonders what's going to happen and you're not going to let it burden you. 
where the world wonders where's this all going and you know exactly where it's all going eventually it always goes to the same place it goes to death and judgment and eternity man wouldn't it be great to have a moment where the whole world was all in the same thing together and there were some people who stood with courage i mean we're there and i just don't want to waste this i really hope that episodes like this help people to see that these are great opportunities for you and one day you're really going to wish that you trusted God more because there were a lot of people watching. Uh, so work on this now, you know, please don't be listening going, yeah, when I get everything lined back out again, I'm definitely going to consider some of the stuff I heard today. I mean, it's now we need to be doing it in this situation. Right. That's great, man. So of course, you know, the, the, the ultimate challenge is to take it from the, the hypothetical and the theoretical and the Bible class and actually putting it into, into practice in our lives. So how do we, how do we start to do that? How do we, um, you know, how do yeah. we trust God with those uncertain things? Because we know there's certain things in our lives that we can count on, you know, um, all things being equal. We know that we're going to age. We're going to get older. We're going to lose our vitality and our speed. But at the same time, we, we can also trust that, you know, yeah. Lord willing, <laughs> the sun's going to rise, the sun's going to set, the world's going to continue to turn. The mm -hmm. flags may change over the Capitol buildings, but there's still going to be some semblance of government, um, you know, and we'll, we'll have opportunity, whether it's easy or not for us to, to gather together to, to worship, there will be that opportunity to do what's right. But everything else, I mean, how do we, for everything else that we, we can't obviously yeah. Yeah. devote time to, you know, <laughs> the what ifs, you know, how do we, how do we get? Well, I do want to come back those. around to where we began. I think it's where first John four wants us to go as well. And that is, I have to start by asking you, what's your confidence level that you're going to heaven? Like if you die tomorrow, if he comes back tomorrow, what is your confident level confidence level that you're in fellowship with God? Because if that's missing, then a lot of really crummy things start happening. Like if you get sick, you're going to wonder, is God punishing me? If you lose your job, you're going to wonder, you know, would that have happened if I had been baptized like I know I should have been? Or would that have happened if I had been worshiping before like I should have been? I mean, how crummy is that? Now you have fear, not just this is what's really awful, Nate, not just fear of just bad stuff happening, but this actual fear that God is punishing me for the life that I live and the choices that I'm making until you get that squared away. It's not even worth talking about anything else. So you have to start in the out, outset and work your way back. And I'll just be clear with you, and this has nothing to do with me and everything to do with God. I am going to heaven, and if something bad happens tomorrow, it is not God punishing me because God would not punish people who are in his family, who are righteous by his love, and who've been preserved forever in him. If that's my relationship, I don't fear judgment of God. And you say, well, that sounds pretty pompous. It has nothing to do with me. It has everything to do with him. I mean, I confess my sins to him. But listen to this same section where I read earlier in verse 15, I'm in 1 John 4, about confessing Jesus and the love of God. It goes on to say this, by this, love is perfected with us so that we may have confidence in the day of judgment, because as he is, so also are we in the world. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. Now listen to this, because fear involves punishment, and the one who fears is not perfected in love. If I feared being punished by God and every time something bad happened, I, well, he's getting me for that sin that I've got going on. I cannot live 
a worry-free life. I cannot live it, and I cannot know for sure whether I'm saved or lost. And man, if you don't have that right, you ain't got nothing right. So he said, I'm writing this letter so you can know that if you confess your sins, you have an advocate who will forgive you, that God's love is so great that you can know that he won't punish you. Now, you might think, well, he disciplines us. Yeah, the text talks about that in Hebrews, but that's more like allowing difficult things to happen to help you grow. It's not punishing you in Christ. Mm -hmm. And just imagine, and I don't know, maybe people who are listening can already imagine this, but imagine if you knew you were saved, you know you're going to be in heaven, you know God's not punishing you because he's imputed righteousness upon you by the power of the blood of Jesus. I mean, what can really hurt you from there? Not much. I just hope that more Christians feel that way, and I, I kind of fear that maybe some don't. Yeah, yeah. It's the um, <clears throat> it's that old comparison of Jacob and Esau. We've we've devalued what we've been given, and we're selling it for yeah. a bowl of soup because we're hungry. And and I think that's that's where that's where that is. And I love that you uh, you went back to to first John four, because um, verse 17, where it says, by this love is perfected with us. To me, looking at that, that, that almost makes it seem like love is, is wonderful. It's, it's an almost complete package, but it's, it's incomplete without us as the catalyst to kind of create that, you know, if it, if it was a, um, like a chemistry experiment or something like that, that we would be the trigger Sure. To start the reaction that we would want, that through us we actually demonstrate what yeah. love was made for, what love actually does. That love, of course, you know, all throughout the Bible, it's not a, it's not a feeling, it's not an emotion, yeah. it's, it's a verb, it's, it's a, it's a yeah. doing word, and, and so it is perfected in us, just as we are perfected in our being complete you know, the, the man of righteousness being complete, lacking in nothing because God has given us those attributes that are like his son. So it, it seems to me that that's kind of the idea that you're, you're going towards is we won't have all the answers. We won't know how to deal with every single situation that comes up in front of us with, you know, perfect, you know, ABC detail, but we know the broad general strokes yeah, sure. of what God expects, of what God has promised, and that I can find my way through that. Um, again, borrowing another another lesson of yours recently, but talking about Joseph, um, there's no way, there's no way that he could have known what was going to happen. And, you know, I I always trip up, you know, when I get to the part of, of when the, uh, the, the, the baker is executed and the cupbearer is released and given his job back. And yeah. he forgets about Joseph, you know, <laughs> like oh, the, the guy yeah. that just yeah. got you your freedom, man, you know, and, <laughs> and he's, he's stuck yeah. in jail Something for another like three years. I think it is, isn't it? And yeah. And how many of us, you know, would, would think on that day that the cupbearer is yeah. released. Oh, here's my moment. No, you know, but, but again, how would Joseph have known that that's what's going to happen? But because he, yeah, he was demonstrating that Joseph. perfect love. Excellent example. That, what if that Joseph, I mean, you could go all the way through his yes. story. When his brothers threw him in a hole, what if he said, God doesn't love me, God is mad at me. When he got sold into the caravan, God doesn't love me, God is mad at me. When Potiphar's wife you know, lies about him, God, well, clearly God doesn't love me and God is mad at me. 
Same thing with jail and, and the ongoing, you know, his father not coming for him. He never did that. And what we know from the story is that God did love him and God was not mad at him. And God was using difficult situations, allowing them to happen, needed them to happen. He needed all that stuff to happen to Joseph. And then you have that great passage in Genesis 50 where Joseph tells the brothers, you know, now I know that God was actually working towards something pretty amazing. And it was hard, but he loved me the whole time and he was never mad at me. And I think that's what Christians need to be feeling. I mean, it may get worse before it gets better economically uh, in terms of our society. And in fact, I mean, some people may not make it at all. But if you're a child of God, if you're redeemed in Christ, God is not mad at you and God loves you. And he's working something bigger, something better. And now you start trusting in, again, the straw. Now you start trusting in all this wonderful stuff that's going on that's beyond what you can see. And I, I think he's earned the right for us to do that. I think it just it's hard to do. It takes, it takes real sincere daily time and prayer. Uh, it takes a good strategy of reading the scripture, you know, and, and just kind of not needing answers to trust, trusting because you don't have those answers. So with that, again, I guess being the devil's advocate, um, that is the sign of the maturity is not um, like as the child always asking, yeah. why, 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 why? And then the child grows up and they've learned through being around their dad, watching him, seeing you know what happens. They don't have to ask the why constantly because they've started to put two and two together or maybe even a better example, they just trust him. When he says, clean your room, um, go to bed, eat your vegetables, do your homework, whatever it is, you know, that he's got my best interest at heart and he's not just saying it to right. you know, exercise yeah. his authority and thump his chest. And, yeah. and that's kind of the point of that chapter is ultimately yeah. another level of getting better at living life without fears, just loving your brethren, really showing a lot of love for God's people taking joy and helping other people through their fears. But that's the second step. The first step is, do I know how much God loves me? Do I understand the way God's love has been shown to me? Am I enjoying the love of God? Is it perfected, his love perfected by his willingness to love me? And then what grows out of that is the desire to express that love. Now your courage and your action and your mixture with God's people. And then you just live with a lot of confidence and you become somebody who helps other people through their fears. And there's just no looking back from there. And I just believe that about everybody, Nate. I just think that God is so amazing at demonstrating what he can do. Uh, if you're a new Christian, in fact, sometimes it's the new converts that inspire me the most. I mean, they just put their lives in God's hands and they don't care what anybody thinks about it. Sometimes it's the old fogey Christians, man. It's the, it's the pew fillers. It's the people who, who've been there a long time saying all the right things. But you know what? They've lived pretty good lives. They've never really had to be courageous, really. They've never really had to handle fear and then things happen and oh man, you know, it all falls apart. And it's almost like, I, I just want to go grab the newest Christian we can find and say, would you sit down with this person for a minute and tell them how you feel? Because I think they've forgotten. Mm -hmm. And I don't know. I feel like we spend more than half of our time trying to get the people who used to know Ephesians, right? The book of revelation, the church in Ephesus to really find that first love again. You lost your first love. You know, you need to go back and find it. Yeah. I mean, that was that was the whole reason of why Moses had to turn around with the congregation and head back into the wilderness was, I mean, these 
these were the ones who, who came out of Egypt and they saw the parting of the Red Sea and Pharaoh's army being swallowed up by the, the ocean and they they ate the manna and, and the quail and they drank the water and they still didn't get it. You know, they still were like, eh, it, it's it's such a, they're, they're giants. We can't get in there. You know, they're too strong. And yeah, yeah. I mean, it's, to, to me, that's the danger is, you know, the, the wonderful yeah. promise once you come up out of the water that at whatever, whatever age you're at, whatever stage of life you're at, that God says from now on you're mine and you can have this rich and wonderful, fulfilling life. And the more you spend pouring into my word and the more time you spend praying, yeah. the, the more I'm going to reveal to you. But yeah. then there, that's a double-edged sword because then, you know, it's like, well, I do that. But then, like you said, I grow comfortable. Because I'm I'm confident in my relationship with God, and then I start to think, well, you know, he he yeah, should be yeah. he should be proud that I'm on his team, you know. <laughs> yeah, the worst. As if we're doing God. I have faith, to say that you know? I, I'll be careful, I guess. But I understand the value of works, the need to for works. Even First John is says, you know, you need to walk in the light and confess your sins and do what's right. Don't practice sin. I, I get it. I mean, that's all crucial. You know, it's, it really is. But we oversell the work side of this thing. I know that we do. Christians do. Preachers do. Churches do. And so we start to believe that to the extent that I'm really great at doing all these great works, then, yeah, God's going to be like, yeah, I want you on my team. You're a good shooter. I'll, I'll pick you. And what we come to learn, of course, is, I mean, I can't even see the whole room, much less can I master it. My works aren't, they're not that great. I mean, that I try, but. You know, if it was a plus minus on good deeds, bad deeds, I, I'm probably going to stay in the hole. And we just start to lean on our own understanding and our own works. And look, I know works are important, but they're nothing without the grace of God all over my life. And I know right now, Nate, I don't know all your friends, dude, but I know we got friends going, who's this nut, man? He's going to he's going to overcorrect this thing. And now you got people just thinking that God's grace is going to cover everything. You know, next thing you know, people are going to be sinning and. Uh, all I'm saying is sometimes you need you need somebody to pull the pendulum back from the extreme you've got it on. And if I'm going to choose a side, I'm going to choose God's grace and its power yeah. to protect me over the accumulated brilliance of all my good works that I've put on display. And, and I just it's a fool's game to tie your fearlessness, courage and confidence of heaven to how good a person you are. You will be depressed. You will be discouraged you'll be done. It is Christ's willingness to, I love this word, Nate, to be the propitiation for our sins when we approach him. To, uh, that's my favorite word. To appease Ooh, that's it. That's a $10 word right to, there. To, to slake, <laughs> I, I mentioned this in the lesson the other day, to slake the, the thirst of God's wrath for you. And Jesus just takes it. He takes it away. I mean, that. Yeah. there's no fear in that. If if I've got a fellowship going now, am I in fellowship with Jesus? Well, we got to ask him questions. You know, you've been baptized into Christ. You need to be. Are you confessing your sins? You must. But if I'm in fellowship with Jesus and I've got him doing that for me, what exactly am I scared of? You know, I think that's where we got to get. We got to get back yeah. to Jesus and the grace that comes through him. And that that active participation, you know, that that Hebrews does say where he's going and he's 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 being that advocate. And it's like a, a the current verb text it's it's active it's not he did that in the past but he's he's constantly you know yeah coming and and speaking on our behalf 
um, you know, appealing to the father. Um, and it's, it's perfectly in tandem with the Holy spirit, you know, like, like in your, your, um, your sermon on, on, yeah. on prayer about being in the throne room of God, which I, again, is just amazing, you know, about that visualization. Cause how often do we get into that rote? You know, I just repeat the same words I've always right. said, because that's when you, when you say prayer, that that's what I'm going to do, you know, but right there, the Holy spirit helping us to pray because sometimes we don't know what to say. And I'm, I'm just, you know, my heart is, is aching and I'm trying to pour this out to God and trusting yeah. that, Hey, I, the, the Holy spirit is there helping. Jesus is saying, you know, we, we need to listen to this because he or she is, is one of ours. And so the father does and, and helps and lifts and encourages and, and puts people in our lives. And, you know, it's, I don't know. I, it, it's that idea of, of God and Jesus and the spirit being static players in our lives that, you know, I, I can, I can pinpoint at one point in my life, they, they did something, right. yeah. but then they're just like statues and they just, they were there, you know, and then, you know, but my life has continued on. And so if I want to see them, I have to keep constantly turning around and looking back. And it's yeah. like, no, they're, they're, like you yeah. said, they're right there with the prayer walking is a, alongside just a tremendous you. example to bring up here in the way that we pray to illustrate what I'm talking about, what we're talking about with grace and works you know, I think there are people who want to pray like we're talking about. They want to feel that, but they don't know what to say. They don't feel like they're wise enough. They can't orchestrate the right words. Why are you trying to work your way into a great prayer? I think that if someone just got down on the floor and put their palms up and out and just sobbed and never said a word, but just opened yourself up to God, and when you were done— you recognized his nearness. You really recognized it. And you had laid yourself bare. You may not have even said the words, I confess my sins. Please forgive me of my sins, as we say every night before we go to bed. But every ounce of your being professed that right. before the throne, and you feel, you feel ready. That you may not have said a word, but you prayed, and you're changed. And the power of God, the Holy Spirit's Roman 8, Romans 8, the Holy Spirit's power, to, to articulate that, that is so much more powerful than beautifully worded prayers that don't carry the emotion of nearness with God. I'm not saying don't try that or do that. Uh, I'm just saying that don't lean on your wisdom to get this thing done. Right. Just open yourself up to him. So who holds, who holds tomorrow? tomorrow? <laughs> I don't know. There is no such thing, I guess. It's tomorrow, but... Oh man. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. I know he holds me though, man. That's all I know. I know that he holds me. Yeah. And I yeah. I believe that wherever I am, it's where he wants yeah. me to be. And you know, I just try to I try to use that. I try to use it as as a central thought of every day. Mm. You know, um um that tail end of first Peter four. When Peter's kind of letting the Christians know that, you know, judgment's going to begin with the household of God, um, you know, and in verse 18, he says, and if it is with difficulty that the righteous man is saved, what will become of the godless man and the sinner? Therefore, those who also suffer according to the will of God shall entrust their souls to a faithful creator in doing what is right. You know, they, if, yeah. if it is with difficulty that the righteous is saved. And I, I mean, I can't think of, and again, sometimes these examples just hit us right on the nose. But I mean, like you said, such a perfect time 
for just being evangelistic in whatever way we can with anybody because the world has stopped. You know, it's not just it's not just, you know, our state or our nation even, but the whole world has stopped and and is is waiting and kind of looking around to to see who who's going to take the lead, who's going to set that next cue. And and maybe maybe again, not just for an opportunity to evangelize to those who aren't saved, but maybe an opportunity for for us to try to, like you said, encourage the pew sitters, the people that would be there every Sunday that we've missed so far, sitting in those same seats and, and you know, nodding in the right places and singing the songs yeah. and everything. But their heart isn't in it. And, you know. Maybe this is an opportunity for us to shake that dust off of their heart and to say, hey, you know, uh, this this difficulty that we're going through. Yeah. Could this not be an opportunity for growth? Could this not be an opportunity to really reevaluate where I am with God? Is he right next to me or did I think that he was or have I made myself my own God? You know, and the the real God has been trying to get my attention for however many years or decades And I think that I we, we don't want to just survive this. We want to be transformed through it. Uh, that's the way it's been for biblical characters throughout Old Testament and New, how they came out of a difficult situation. It was everything. And I also think that some of the questions you're asking right now about how this is going to work out and what it's saying, we already know that. Uh, each person knows that. If you are struggling with this, and I mean, you're just having trouble functioning, then we know that your relationship with God is not what it's supposed to be. We know that the, the current distress has revealed the truth. So let's work on that. Let's work on that. What we're saying from the very beginning is if you're just barely getting along here, please don't have the attitude that says, you know, once we get through this and it's back to normal, you know, then, you know, I'm going to find God the right way. No, you need to do it now. And you already know if you need to do it. And the call to action is Dr. Phil. I like Dr. Phil. Dr. Phil's favorite question is, so how's that working out for you? If hmm. if this is not working out for you at all, then yeah. it, it's blinking lights around you saying you need to work on your relationship with God. If you're consuming uh, cavernous amounts of Fox News and if you check your 401k nine times a day or that dumb website to tell you when you're going to get your check in the mail, and you're just consumed by all that, or or if you're hoarding toilet paper, you know who you are. Like you, you've all, you're already telling the story. We know if <laughs> if all that's going on, but the prayer isn't, and the study with the family isn't. This, I'm not getting on to you. I'm saying we know where we are. It's been revealed. I had a, a friend, uh, a member here, message me a few days ago. He's got a wonderful family, and he said, "I'm struggling with all this. I have not been drawn close to God." I know that I'm not being the right kind of husband and father because I'm falling apart. And he said, what, what should I do? And so we talked a little bit and I gave him some study stuff and he messaged me a week later. He said, we've, we've done some color Bible marking. We've sat down and talked about baptism as a family. I feel a thousand percent better. Well, of course you feel better, man. Of course you do. You, you got God back in the middle of this thing and you started Mm -hmm. rallying your family around the presence of God. And I'm so proud of that guy. I love that guy so much, but, he wouldn't have known how much he needed to get back to God if this hadn't happened. And in that way, this has been good. It's been good for him. Oh, that's great. That's great. Absolutely. Um, so just 
I mean, wrapping up, because I know we've been talking about so much, and I definitely want to give you the, the floor to kind of conclude, you know, however, uh, whatever points you'd like to make, but I guess to kind of steal from your, <laughs> the title of your podcast. So how do we, how do we excel, Chris, um, in, well, it in times is, of uncertainty? It is a big question. Everybody's situation is a little bit different. There are always the common pieces, the common pieces that we've been talking about. You need to every day that you want God to help you. If you want God to help you tomorrow, then take some time and communicate with God. Tell him what you need help in and then give him a chance to talk to you. Get the word open. If it's two verses, if it's five minutes, just decide that every day is common as eating a meal. I need God to help me. And I just think that's, that's the right answer for everyone. I also think that I'm working on this a little bit for an upcoming podcast myself about family and, you know, really trying to treasure the relationships that are close to you. Uh, God's people are here for a reason. The church is here for, for a purpose. It is a group of people who share these same values. A lot of the values we've talked about in this episode, the world will not share with you. They'll be like, what do you mean start at the end and work back to the beginning? When eternal life, I'm trying to figure out how to pay my bills next month. They're not going to get it, but Christians get it. We get it. We have to function from a position of courage. And that means we have to start with spiritual conversations, eternal life and et cetera. And, you know, belief in Jesus, you just need to connect with God's people. I just have a feeling that if everybody would have one honest emotional prayer a day, throne room prayer, and if you would let God speak to you in scripture, at least for just a few minutes every day, and if you would interact with at least one person in your life who shares the same value system, like I'm getting to do with Nate tonight, you're just going to see things differently. Will they change? You'll change. And you'll be surprised how things look differently when you change. Uh, that's great, man. <laughs> I love it, man. Oh, I man. can just, I love you, dude. I love, I just love chatting with you, man. I love your energy <laughs> and, and what you're doing. And just thank you for letting me share a little time with you. Oh, absolutely. Well, Chris, um, Please let us know what uh, what you've got going on and Man, where thanks. people can I've got a few you. things that we're doing right now, just trying to encourage people remotely. Uh, I have a little podcast that I've been doing for about 14 months. It's called Excel Still More, little 20-minute episodes. Just try to get you to try a few things, think about a few things. It's really built to try to encourage you, and so I hope that you check that out uh, lately. I've been working on color Bible marking. That's actually something that's been a bit of an addiction of mine for about 20 years, 22 years. And we have a, a YouTube channel called Color Bible Marking. So that's probably the easiest way to find it, a Facebook page as well. And right now we're just working through First John in about 10 verse intervals. There'll be nine sections. But if you're interested in learning about that, then uh, you can check that out. It's something that we're doing and, you know, just trying to help people local, but put something out there that can give you, if you want 20 minutes a day to just think about things that may help you, then we're trying to give a couple of different avenues where you can do that. That's great. That's great. And then um, got some. Uh, yeah, you know, if you're having trouble going to sleep over at the, the Lindell to get you there, right? there's uh, there's some sermons. Yeah. Lindell Church of Christ. That's the church where I preach in Lindell, Texas, East Texas. And the Lindell Church of Christ has a Facebook page. It also has a, a podcast page and a Web page. It's just sermons there. And uh, we're still live streaming on Sunday morning at 1050 a.m. Central. And so you can catch live streams through the Web page. And then, like you said, on Wednesday nights, a friend of mine, Reagan McClenney, and I were sitting there tandem style on a stage and talking about Bible characters. And, you know, just we're waiting on things to change. Nate, we're waiting on things to change. We want to see things get back to normal. 
but we don't need them to get back to normal. You know what I mean? Like we want them to, but right. we're, we're just trying to trying to use what yeah. we got, you know, God's doing something. So we're just trying ourselves to do, do some work where we can. Yeah. Oh man. Well, um, would you mind leading our us great God, our heavenly father, we recognize your awesome. presence at this moment. We know that wherever we are, you are there and it brings us a tremendous amount of comfort. Father, we're thankful that your mighty hand has built this universe, this world that you live in a spiritual realm of power and that your authority is always there. And we're thankful that you sent your son to establish that authority in his church and that you've made it possible for people like Nate and me and others to access all of your grace and your love and to cast out fear of judgment and death in your son, not by our power, by his power. Thank you for offering your son, Jesus, and thank you for your patience. There's been so much sin in this world so many reasons for you to end it, but you didn't. You allowed time to proceed to where Nate and I could be born and raised and have our own family. And we just pray that uh, you will give opportunity for those we love who need to repent and obey to do so. And those who have, we're just thankful that you've given us that opportunity, that you've shown patience. And Father, we want to live for you. We We both know and recognize how imperfect that we are in that journey, but we believe that with your power and your grace and your love and your guidance and your spirit that we we can do things that honor your will. And we just pray for help. We pray for forgiveness, each one of us on our own. We pray for forgiveness when we fail and also wisdom to just do better. That's the thing about your grace, God. It just makes us want to do better. It, it drives us to, to good works. And Father, we're thankful for that. We pray that you'll be with Nate and his family, beautiful family, wonderful family up there. And Kentucky, and we just pray that they'll be healthy and safe. Pray for ours as well, and all the loved ones we know in the faith who up in New York, um, Caleb Churchill, and some of those guys up there working just really scary conditions. We just pray that you you give them a peace that only you can provide, and that we can move through this quickly for the sake of those who are suffering. And we pray all this trusting in Jesus' holy name. Amen. Well, thank you all so much for listening to this latest episode of The Alternate. Um, God bless you all and keep you safe, and we will see you again soon.